We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we are talking about a Nets win over the Wizards, 104-90. They ruined Spencer Dinwiddie's return to Brooklyn, but that's what we like to see. Jack, how are we doing? Get the Pavlovas going. Get the Lamingtons out. Get the VBs and cheers to goddamn Patrick Samuel Mills. Yeah, Patty Mills had some really splash moments in this game, and I think he's really you know, made himself lovable to the Nets fans early on in the season. We're going to jump into that and plenty more, but you can always find the buzz on all streaming platforms. I guess, Jack, let's start right from the start with this one, with the starting lineup. We got the lineup that we wanted. You know, Joe Harris, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Bruce Brown, Blake Griffin. This is the lineup we saw in Game 7 against the Bucks. This is the lineup we expected to see opening night in, you know, the last couple games, but we didn't get it until Game 4, and it worked out well because the Nets got off to a good start in this one. Yeah, thirty-eight to twenty really got hot out of the gates. Uh, that that it really sort of was the asserted things early. You know, there was just a, a better flow to things defensively. I think some of it was bad wizard shot making or shot taking. Sorry, um, and, but then also that you know the chemistry with some of these guys. These guys have a greater knowledge of the tendencies to their game. Bruce and James Harden, Blake as the sort of offensive connector, moving that ball around, continuing to. Pump fake as slow as Joel Embiid does, but sometimes catch some of the Wizards guys slipping. Kevin Durant beat Kevin Durant. And James Harden was dropping dimes a, a plenty, especially in that first half. And I think he had like four or five in that first quarter as well. So it just seemed to me that things were flowing early. Yeah, the offense definitely was just had more synergy to it. And like you said, a lot of that is just guys having reps, you know, guys having experience together. And some of that just as simple as, you know, James Harden, Bruce Brown pick and roll or running some of the sets for Joe Harris getting open shots. And as you mentioned, Blake Griffin kind of brings some energy early. And they also got some easy buckets in transition, you know, easy to get the confidence going for the offense. Things kind of start flowing better when you're hitting shots. And, you know, credit to Bruce Brown because he's just a guy that gets out and runs. And then James Harden's, you know, looking for those guys. And there was at least two or three. Three times in the first quarter where he just got easy layups. 
Yeah, and that's what happens when you get out in transition and you know, when you have other guys in that starting lineup, whether it's you know I mean Clax can do it, but his conditioning hasn't been there. Bruce Bruce has that. He's gonna run up and down, up and down, you know, get a solid defensive stop on a Bradley Beal or whoever else it might be. So yeah, that was really positive. The highlight of the quarter, Nick, maybe the highlight of the game was the ankle breaking three from Patty, which was just absolutely it got me at a fever pitch. I'm, I'm here at work right now, and as I, I was sort of like just throwing my hands up and and making yelping noises, and my coworkers are sort of looking at me like I'm a I'm a madman, but I'm mad for Patty Nick. The, the, just his ability to come in and just go, I'm impacting the game, whether it's through the shot making or whether it's through communication, leadership, all these little intangible things. Uh, and it's the reason why the Nets continue their hot start, even when some of those reserves were thrown in, because you have the Patty Mills as Probably the leader in the sixth man of the year contention after four games, albeit. But what he has done for this team um, in just coming off the bench and just providing that life and continuing momentum and or even rejolting momentum in a yep. lot of ways. Uh, he's been maybe the next second best player overall this season, Nick. Uh, obviously, James Harden made his improvements a little bit tonight. But Paddy Mills' consistency, and obviously he didn't have the best game you know, in the previous performance, but you know, three out of four decent games from Paddy Mills, including probably his best, if not, I don't know, it's, it's hard to analyze all the goodness because it's just all good feelings whenever Paddy Mills does something great. Uh, but he was really, really good again tonight and in that first quarter, continuing that ascendancy to extend the lead. Yeah, he just gives the Nets a real boost. And I mean, it's tough. This game was very good. But when you go 7-7 seven and seven of a game from deep, like that's just super impressive and tough to do, which he did game one against the Bucks. But let's talk Patty Mills, 21 points, 8 of 14 from the field, 5 of 9 from 3, 2 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal. And the steal was just kind of one of those backbreakers for the Wizards. It felt like maybe they could keep it close, but Patty Mills sneaks in there off the Joe Harris miss, smacks the ball out. I think it was Bradley Beal's hands and gets the easy layup right there. And that's just the type of stuff where you just absolutely love a player that does that. And it's so nice to be on the, the good side of that, where we typically are used to like someone on the opposing team doing that to the Nets. It's nice to have Patty Mills on our side. Those are the plays that you get from Patty. You know, yeah. just being sneaky enough and just impact little ways that, that create big things. You know, you get yeah. two points out of that and you get an extra possession out of that. The Nets have struggled with just maintaining the ball and they did a decent job tonight with their turnovers and such. But, you know, forcing that turnover, you can sort of just see him hanging around and in the slow motion replay. Uh, I think it sort of helps for when you're a guy like that and we're sitting with Davion Mitchell in Sacramento right now. When you're smaller as a sort of six-foot guard, you can get away by being a little bit craftier when you're sort of hanging around in the, the little moments and crevices yeah. of the of the NBA basketball court. And you know, it was a wonderful play. And, you know, I, I think we've all seen the moment where uh, SpongeBob is dressed up as an old lady and Patrick is dressed up as a robber and Patrick just steals the handbag away from SpongeBob as the old lady. It, that was Paddy Mills personified. It was a, a really awesome play from him. And he had so many of them tonight. You know, some of the passing, the ball movement, you know, creating some mid-range shots for himself tonight as well. A, a lot more of a complete game. I think we saw, like you mentioned, you know, the seven threes, Nick, and going 10 of 10 uh, before missing. But he was 5-9 from three tonight. And I think there were some more defensive players, as we alluded to, creating mid-range shots and such. Um, a wonderful performance from Paddy tonight. And I'll be purchasing a Paddy Mills t-shirt, which is going to support uh, some Indigenous education here in Australia very, very soon. So for any Aussie listeners, check out the Maya website. It's a really cool Paddy t-shirt by an Indigenous artist as well. So I'm all for showing love. And if anyone has any other... Was there any Paddy Mills swag 
at the at the swag shop, Nick? I'm sure there was. I didn't, you know, get to go deep diving in there, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's jerseys already. And I think a lot of fans are going to be purchasing jerseys just based off of the type of plays that he makes. It's just he's already kind of a fan favorite four games into the season. And like you said, you know, a lot of impact on this game, but offensively just gives him the burst. I thought today we saw a little bit more maybe not self-creation, but just more offensive pop on different elements of the floor, like you said. I think he also had better lift today than he did against the Hornets yesterday. I think you know a lot of those shorts yesterday were sh- uh, short, and today everything was just kind of up. He even faded a little bit on a couple shots, and I just love the energy he plays with. It's just a nice boost when you have so many superstars and players that sometimes are a little older or lackadaisical. Like having a guy that comes in and just instantly brings this burst of energy. And like you said, too, is like the passing is something that sticks out and also just being in the right spot and kind of finding the space on the floor to get those open threes. And I feel like he's enjoying himself a lot because he's just getting a ton of good looks and looks that he definitely was not getting in San Antonio last season. Yeah, when he's allowed to play instinctual basketball, Nick, that's when all players thrive. And, yep. you know, we've spoken about that with a lot of our other players, you know, over the, the podcasting history. But Paddy's just he's just thriving in the environment of Brooklyn right now. Yep. You can just see the, he's loving the, the way that he's playing. He's loving the energy that he brings. You know, there was a, a really nice swing-swing play where Joe Harris didn't take the contested three or didn't make a bad decision, but actually sort of pump-faked and did a nice little kick-out pass to KD. And for some reason, Fatty Mills was open uh, in the corner and, and hits that three ball there. That was a really nice team play. And that fadeaway that you alluded to, you know, he tried and then it's like, oh, I might get blocked here by the tall defender and hits the, the long fadeaway, which was a, a really nice shot. A shot that if you were watching the Olympics and the Boomers play, uh, you, you're not surprised to see Paddy hit that. So he is probably a two-and-a-half level scorer, Nick. You know, he, he yeah. can get some of the drives. He got that drive uh, on the sixes yesterday. Sorry, a couple of days ago. So he, he's nearly a three-level scorer. He's not KD. He's not James Harden or Kyrie Irving. But he has the ability to do all of those things offensively and also provide some really good passing inside, outside. Just makes great decisions when he's out there. Uh, he's a, a very complete role player. Yeah, and I think, you know, his ability to shoot on the move, like you said, kind of fading or doing whatever he needs to do in those situations, that just kind of adds another element. And then just the constant movement provides just some flow for the offense that can be stagnant at times. So obviously signing so far early on in the season, four games in, has been really, really good. But I guess, Jack, let's talk about Kevin Durant. Another very good game for him. You know, not necessarily the volume as, as compared to the first couple games, but still 25 points, 9 to 17 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, 6 of 9 from the free throw line, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 1 turnover. Katie continues to be extremely efficient. MVP is going to be the most overused word when we speak about Kevin Durant this season. You know, I was chatting a, a bit of back and forth on sort of a few people who shared the same sentiments that I did preseason about James Harden uh, being, you know, the MVP level player, uh, possibly. But, you know, I was wrong. I'm happily admit that I was wrong because Kevin Durant is certainly doing that right now. And, you know, obviously he had incredible, just disgusting shot making. The best one, Nick, was at the end of the half where Bradley Beal hits one in his face. And he's like, all right. Okay, I'll uh, I'll do it back to you, mate. I'll do it from what three feet deep and with a second defender in my face. Um, it is. I mean, we're missing some Kyrie Irving highlights because they're some of the most aesthetic and and, and awesome to watch. <laughs> but Katie is more than making up for it. Yeah, and I mean, he tried to murder two wizards in the paint today, <laughs> trying to put down that poster. It was very close to going down. That would have been insane. But like you said, the three from the Barclays logo, that was just straight fire. So uh, KD continued to do his thing. And like we've mentioned a lot last year and during different points of the season, like 
I've never felt more comfortable with someone taking an elbow jump shot. I just feel like every time he's shooting from the elbow or that range, it's a bucket. It's like a guaranteed shot. And if it doesn't go in, I'm just almost surprised. Yeah, I think that he he loves that area. He's incredible in the post. You know, he had Gafford guarding him sometimes, and yeah. you know he's probably taller than Gafford to be fair. Uh, but at three level did scoring, you see he did the Gafford. I mean, yeah, no, I, he I scored d- on him in the post, and then he did the too small. He did the too small. <laughs> <laughs> he scored a bit from his ex teammate and Russell Westbrook. Oh, you gotta love that stuff. And uh, Kevin Durant seems to be just enjoying and just assimilating and this is like this is his team this is my team i'm the leader here um and he's he's relishing that role and then some uh he's just playing just absolutely all worldly level basketball gotta hit my free throws my guy because the 50 40 90 is slipping away early on if you keep missing these free throws so it's a that's an, a mild aberration on an otherwise pretty flawless start to the season from the slim reaper he is He's a Brooklyn net, and I, I still pinch myself every time that I just see him hit those shots that we've been talking about. And we're blessed to have him here, and we're going to be blessed to have him for, for the next few years. And hopefully he can continue this form. Um, and the fact that he did it in a back-to-back as well, Nick, you know, it just shows you we didn't really get many glimpses of that last year because of, you know, the recovery from the uh, the Achilles injury and then the calf and the, the other little ailments here and there. You know, the net playing a conservative with him. You know, 35 minutes for him tonight. He's probably going to be a, a, a Nets leader in that department. So that was really, really positive. And the fact that he wasn't able to really lose a step at all despite backing up. I think a home back-to-back is really is, is a nice one to sort of you know, work his way into it as well. But uh, KD doing KD things, Nick, uh, it's, a, it's a joy to watch. Yeah, and I think defensively he continues to be good this season. You know, you saw him defend Spencer Dinwiddie to start this game, and I think that really threw Spencer off. Also, just kind of his ability to switch. And, yeah, Bradley Beal might have hit a couple shots on him, but Bradley Beal had to hit very tough shots, you know, be it a step-back mid-range jumper or a step-back three. So really happy with the defense. Katie's playing early on, especially when the games obviously aren't as significant as the postseason. But, Jack, who do you want to jump to next? Well, we should we should go to the other superstar, Nick, in, in James Harden. Early on, it looked like James had found it a little bit. You know, he was driving to the cuff a yep. little bit more. I think that the Wizards were a decent enough matchup for him to actually do that. You know, he got the the and one three uh, four point play, which was really positive to see. It just seemed to me that this was a, a nice step forward, even though the the scoring line doesn't look amazing. Five of seventeen from the field. What is it? One and eight from three. Did hit all of his three three free throws. I say that a million times. Uh, nine assists. Had six boards, including a nice offensive board as well. Only two turnovers. Did also have a block as well. So it seemed to me that he controlled the game a little bit better. Was you know, not forcing things too much. Um, and I think that that was probably a directive from the coaching staff as well. But you know, uh, not the best game from James Harden to the high standards that we hold him. But an improvement nonetheless. What are your thoughts on his performance? Yeah. 14, 16, 14, 6, and 9, you know, nothing crazy. I thought he looked more aggressive early on, and he didn't He didn't really have much issue breaking down defenders. It was more so when he got into the paint or finishing those layups, and those are shots that I think he's eventually going to start hitting. Some of the threes, too, they were open looks that he was just missing out there. So I think positive growth, but obviously, if you ask James, he would probably tell you offensively he's just not necessarily in rhythm yet. His confidence level on the shot probably isn't quite there yet either. So he just needs one of those games 
games where he gets hot, and I feel like that's going to continue to kind of give him the flow. But until he has one of those games, he's going to be in this little bit of a shooting slump, and even until he gets maybe better conditioned because some of those shots are just needs a little bit more lift maybe on them or maybe a little bit more lift in the paint too. But overall, you know, I think it's progress. I definitely think, you know, we talked about in the last show, I don't think this is the end-all, be-all, but I think the officiating is having some type of impact on him. Very small, but still something in terms of like, on a normal night, if this was last season, he probably would have shot, you know, seven to nine free throws. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there was one shot where he was fouled by, I can't remember who the guard was, and normally, you know, James Harden, Stephen Curry, those guys would jump into and get the the three free yep. throws, but they're not really calling that. But he still got called for the foul. So there's, there's adjustment periods, but it's sort of like, you know, assimilating to something new. And James Harden has uh, incredibly high intelligence level. So he'll find his footing sooner rather than later. Interesting to note that in about midway through the first quarter, he was subbed out. Yep. Looked to be a, a little bit upset with that um, when when he did go to the bench. I like that. Obviously, James Harden wants to be out there. And I was maybe maybe the fact that they got that little bit of ascendancy early, the, the subs made were, were fine. But I think it was like James Johnson that was sort of subbed in, which was a, a little bit puzzling. So I didn't really understand that rotation. So I, I think wanna... it was more so Nash trying to stagger the minutes of like Katie and Harden, you know, kind it's of six like... minutes in, Nick. It's not, that's all normally, it, it was a bit earlier than normal for. You know, James Harden. I mean, he's also not in great shape. So, like, he can complain about it, but he's going to say that he wants to play himself in the shape, but he's also doing things on the floor where you can tell that he's not in shape. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, going up against the the Heat, it's going to be really interesting to see how he goes because their, their defense, if they're fully healthy, is going to be maniacal when you've got the likes of Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler. Yep. Uh, you've got PJ Tucker probably doing his thing on Kevin Durant as well. That'll we'll be a... all game. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, before I do forget, Nick, as well, uh, a historic night for Kevin Durant became the 31st player in NBA history with 24,000 career points. He did it in the exact same number as the answer himself, Allen Iverson, 888 games. Um, funnily enough, Allen Iverson is also 30th place on that list with 24,368 points. So Kevin Durant's coming for that record. Um, one of the great scorers of all time, Allen Iverson, one of the great players uh, we've ever seen as well. So that's a cool little record for KD, and I'm sure he's a, a an absolute historian and and of this game. And he would he would no doubt, you know, we saw what what his reaction was when he's named to uh, the NBA 75. This would be another achievement to uh, at a pretty extensive list uh, that he has on his resume already. Yeah, and I think he got that to that point uh, on that three point shot at the end of the first half. 
So it's like cool that it's like a signature type of bucket. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily just like free throws or something kind of boring. But moving on to the other starter tonight, uh, we got Bruce Brown, 14 points, 6 of 10 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, 3 rebounds, 0 assists, 0 steals, 1 turnover. But he just brought the energy right off rip. Absolutely. You know, he was just moving aplenty, whether it was slipping screens, whether it was cutting, whether it was making hard screens, whether it was getting out in transition, whether it was offensive boards. Um, this is what you get from Bruce. And I like the decision from Steve Nash to go, okay, we need, we can still experiment, but we can go with what we know early, see how that goes, and then in, assimilate into different guys and rotations and throwing in a DeAndre Bembry minutes, you know, for example, yeah. who we'll touch on a little bit. So I think that that plan of attack and, and the way that Bruce Brown is now getting minutes and uh, he should be getting 30 minutes plus per night, 25 minimum plus per night, because when he's out there, you know, I, I, I took down these notes on Paul Millsap as well. But Bruce Brown, you could probably throw into this case too. Superstar amplifier. You know, yeah. the role players and, and how they make the game easier for the superstars on the team. He allows James Harden to throw some of his best and unique passes. He allows Kevin Durant to get into space because he's such a strong screener. And whenever there's a miss there, you know, Bruce Brown's going to be fighting and he's going to get back in transition uh, and set the, the tone defensively there. So I think that... Him as a starter makes a lot of sense, Nick. I don't want to see him discounted for, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge if that were the case coming up, but maybe we do. But ultimately, Bruce Brown, even in the minutes that we saw in the last game, it wasn't as efficient. We still saw moments from him. This is Bruce that you get when he's at his best. Yeah, and I think just kind of talking about it from the whole team perspective, when you start with a lineup that you know is good, you can build a cushion, and then you can experiment all you want. You know what I mean? Like, you have, what was it, the 18-point lead after the first quarter. Like, then you can just go and do different things, and then like, oh, okay, we we got it down to 13. All right, we need to put a lineup in that we know works. This gives you the opportunity to experiment a little bit more. So I, I like the idea from Steve Nash and kind of playing it the right way. And also, we got a couple quotes on Bruce, one from Steve Nash. He's such a competitive guy, plays with so much energy, and Nash was also praising his defense on Bradley Beal. So, nice to get back in Steve Nash's good graces. Obviously, it was only three games where he wasn't really getting big minutes, but it'd be nice if he got them a little bit more consistently moving forward because we know what he provides this team. And like you said, Jack, he makes life easier for the superstars and allows them to play at a higher level. And we saw even James Harden missing shots, but he was still able to manipulate the game because of the pick and roll with Bruce Brown. Yeah, absolutely. So I just think that having him, having Patty Mills, it's just like, cool, you're two guys in the rotation there that you know what you're going to get out of them as role yeah. players. They're reliable. And even if Bruce, and he, you know, the floater was there a little bit more tonight. Um, he did hit a couple of free throws. Um, he's he's just a, a really reliable presence on the floor. Even when he's not at his best, you're still going to get energy and intangible qualities that you want out of a role player. You know, he doesn't rely on having to hit shots to, to impact the game like a Joe Harris or, or some other guys. So, uh, it, really great to see Bruce Brown rewarded with the starting position. Hopefully it does stay um, because I'd prefer to see him out there, even alongside LMA um, or, or alongside Griffin, you know, put LA, LA off the bench. Um, so, yeah, Bruce continuing to do Bruce things. Uh, and it's, you know, what we expect from him. You know, he has a high standard as a role player within this team and he is an important part to our success. Yeah, and I think especially early on when you're still trying to figure things out, like we talked about, it's a lineup that has experience, but also Bruce Brown's a guy that can just get you some easy offense, make some plays that are kind of off script, and allow you to get a couple buckets here and there that maybe weren't drawn up. 
No, definitely. Um, a little tidbit as well, Nick. You know, obviously we do these podcasts right after, so we get a, a few quotes like you alluded to. Going back to that buzzer beater he, uh, by Alex Schiffer, Conrad said he smiled after the buzzer beater at the end of the first half because he and Bradley Beal were talking shit to each other, said that they got close uh, during Team USA this summer. Uh, that's what I love about basketball because there's a level of shit talking that's like fun and it's like, you know, there's a, it's, it's banter. You've got Pat Beverly doing like some of his stuff where it's just like, dude, like why? You don't deserve the shit talk. You aren't in the same level as Team USA contenders like Bradley Beal, even though that dude shouldn't have even been allowed to play tonight. Uh, but that's a discussion for another day. So I just love that back and forth and uh, KD, he can certainly silence plenty of those naysayers and we'll probably get a few more back and forth. And it was cool to see, I think his mum was there tonight. I think Wanda yep. was there tonight as well. Um, and she had plenty of smiles in her face. And when Wanda's smiling, so are we. She's the real MVP. Yeah, there you go, Jack. I know, like you said, I, I liked when he was arguing with Bradley Beal and then came down and hit the shot. And it's nice when it's like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Pat Bev, but it's nice when it's like two good offensive players like talking smack and they can send shots That's back to each other. And it's offensive and it's it's warranted in its offensiveness. Exactly. So it just makes a lot more sense. So like you said, hopefully we get more of that this year. The best possible, like the ideal dream scenario that we see Steph and KD talking shit a little bit and they just go back and forth. That would be really, really fun. Obviously, we're looking too far ahead, but getting back PG. So that would be pretty goddamn fun. Yeah, um, but getting to our final starter, Joe Harris, uh, 11 points, 3 of 12 from the field, 3 of 11 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 turnover, 0 steals, 0 blocks. What would you think of Joe tonight? Not the best from Joe. I think that it's just the, the three ball was off. You know, he hit yeah. the first one, and it was a straight-ahead three, and it was a nice action. It was basically what we sort of expect from the Nets. You know, get some down screens going. You know, I can't remember what the name of the action is, but get some handoffs and just get Joe an open look. Uh, and then, you know, he hit one later in the game, and you could see the semblance of relief that he had. He's going to find it. He's a, he's a shooter, and shooters shoot. So this sort of reminded me a bit of the Sixers game where, I think it was more impactful than the sixth game because, uh, like you mentioned, the eight rebounds. I thought that he was pretty good there. In and the one he the, ripped from Kyle Kuzma was my favorite. Yeah, no, that was a that was an awesome board, and I think that that gang rebounding was uh, necessary with this starting unit when you lack a bit of size in that front court when it's not clacks and LMA or too too big, so to speak. So I thought that he was good there. I'm just, I want him to have that big night. I hope it's against the Heat. I don't know who it's going to be against because you can just feel that it's coming. And look, he's taken them. So I hope he doesn't get discouraged. I hope he doesn't get in his head because he made some better decisions tonight as well. I thought that his decision-making was a little bit better. He didn't force things too much. All of those 11 shots were open or open enough. So it's just going to take one good performance from him and then hopefully it's waterfalls for Jay, for Joe Harris. Yeah, I think it's just kind of seeing the ball go through the hoop a couple times. I think, you know, getting the free throw line, maybe getting some easy layups in transition or just some easy looks in general. And like a lot of the threes weren't very far off. You know what I mean? They're pretty on point online, you know, maybe a little too strong, a little too short. So it's just kind of something we hope that he kind of gets out of. I think rebounding, at least he had some type of impact there. Defensively, there's still going to always be the matchups where he just doesn't necessarily have the athleticism. So it's just trying to make sure he has help in those situations so he doesn't get beat. But overall, like his game's going to be dictated a lot by his three-point shooting. If he's shooting well, it's going to have a greater impact. If he's not shooting well, he's going to be more of a minus on the floor. That's just pretty simple. No, it is. And I think that the, uh, we might have discussed this. I can't remember when but on some on one podcast we do. 
We did too many of these, but I also love it and wish we could do more. When there was a piece from 538 on Caitlin Cooper, and she focused on Eric Gordon and the fact that he hasn't been a good statistically three-point shooter for certain periods, but he still has the gravity. Yeah. Joe's going to have that gravity for the rest of his career. Um, you know, it might be the fact that he's won. I think some people were saying that about the, the new dude from, from Lakerland, but he's proven it to be one of the best three-point shooters in the league. He might not have that. He may have, like, you know, space-jammed some of his powers to, to, to Patty Mills. Um, but ultimately, you know, we'll get the Alan Crabb, you know, Joe Harris experience for a little bit, and hopefully it becomes the Patty Mills-Joe Harris experience where both of them are doing it, um, and the team is going to become, you know, all-worldly offense rather than just, you know, solid to elite. Yeah, I think uh, Joe Harris also is still a viable option to run the pick and pop with James Harden to help him get the matchup he wants and different things. He's a willing screener out there, too. And I put out a tweet. If, when Joe Harris and James Harden both get in rhythm offensively, the offense is drastically going to change. Like tonight, they had a lot of open looks that they didn't miss. The Wizards missed a lot of open looks, too. But we're talking about Joe Harris, 3 of 11. Like on a normal night when he's in sync, it's a possible 7 of 11 game. And we're talking about 12 more points. James Harden, 1 of 8 in this one. Easily could have went 3 of 8. You know what I mean? These numbers are going to change because they're doing the right things in terms of execution. I felt that way about the offense a lot tonight. There's different points in the second half where it wasn't as good. But in the first half, they were just executing and getting open looks. And some of that's the Wizards defense not being very good. But at the end of the day, you have to like the looks and you just have to hope that your players execute and hit the shots. Definitely. Bruce Brown nickname, Nick, we're going to have to start calling this because he called it to himself. I'm the energizer bunny of the team. Once I get going, everyone gets going. I feel like I'm an energizer bunny of the Brooklyn Buzz sometimes. Sometimes I have a little bit too much and maybe we've got to change the batteries and make them a little uh, less powerful. But uh, he absolutely is. It's a really, really good way of um, really great self-awareness to, uh, from Bruce Brown there. Yeah, I love Bruce Brown's energy, and he definitely provides that extra spark and just making some of the plays that guys maybe aren't willing to do. I thought Blake had some pretty good energy in this one, too, making some of those hustle plays, either a rebound, a loose ball, or just even taking a charge. So overall, I think you know we like this starting lineup then better than any of the starting lineups we saw in the first three games. Definitely. Uh, funnily enough, Bruce and KD had a, a little bit of a back and forth uh, before the post-game uh, sessions. Kevin ran to Bruce Brown, who was dissecting his outfit. I'm a hooper, man. I don't do, I don't do all that fashion shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey. You can just... I, I, I like the low-key stated of fashion of, of Kevin Durant. You know, he's always rocking those cool pants. He's, he's rocking, like, Mets hoodies throughout the season when he was out as well. Don't hey, hate Bruce Brown. Yeah, be comfy. That's what it's about. Comfort is fashion too, my guy. I'm wearing, like, a, a Nets sweatshirt as we speak. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's what I usually roll with is more so comfort than fashion at this point in my life. But uh, Jack, moving on from the starters, I guess let's talk Nick Claxton, who I think had his best game of the season. Six points, three or four from the field, eight rebounds, one assist, two blocks. Just looked a lot more comfortable out there and just in flow and really didn't have many bad moments. And it was good to see that plus 21 as well, Nick, because yeah. he's been... Uh, in Apparently, the on-off was like what minus thirty-seven for the first three games or something like that. Yeah, not not what you want to see. So a, a really good night from him, and I like the fact that he was used off the bench sixteen minutes while he gets his conditioning back. That might be you know that sort of twenty-minute range is what you want to give him and, and give it to him. You know, with the backups, you know, he didn't he, he outran Montrez Harrell. You know, he was doing things and surprising guys with blocks and such. Was really forceful and impactful as a rebounder, which is what you want to see. Uh, and had a nice little sort of, you know, hook when, you know, KD fed him, you know, as he was sort of in the middle of the lane. 
didn't really get flustered a lot. You know, he kicked the ball out a few times when he was past the ball, um, when he was sort of in the paint as well. I just thought that his decision-making and impact um, was much better. And hopefully this is a, a growing point and an impetus for him to, to reach Clack City vibes uh, that we know and love. Yeah, I felt like also his help defense was more impactful in this game. I don't know if it was some of the other matchups. Like, obviously, against the Bucks, he's going against Middleton, so he can't really help in any way. In the Hornets game, he was just kind of flustered in general, and the Sixers, I didn't really feel much of him either. So, But in this game, you saw him come help when guys got beat off the dribble, either with a good contest or even blocking a shot. So in this role, like you said, Jack, until he gets his conditioning right, until he gets more experience, I think this is a best bet for him and also allows for better opportunities for him to get his confidence up. Like, Wizards defense is bad in general, but their second unit is even worse, especially with Montrez Harrell out there. So he was able to just get some really easy runs to the rim. And that's the type of stuff that's just going to continue to elevate his confidence, allow him to be a better player, because we know the talent is really there. It's just kind of being able to showcase it in the right way. Yeah, I think that some of his screening is getting a little bit better, too. It wasn't perfect tonight, but I like the fact that it's not a very physical team either. No, so that certainly helps. You want to get, you know, you know, some confidence against some of those uh, certain matchups. And you know, there was one tonight where you know he was sort of like tossed aside because that's a good screen. You know, if yeah. you're forcing, you know, the opponent to sort of like just you know ragdoll you to to get a, a possession. I think it led to a KD bucket or, or someone else. But that's what you want to see from from Clack. You know, earn the bumps and bruises along the way because he, that's what he needs to be. In the same way we've been talking about Bruce Brown, you know, Paddy Mills, uh, Paul Millsap, a superstar amplifier. You know, he's got a, 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 such a high a, a amount of talent um, in in him, but he's got to do all those little things as well, which includes the screening. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it, Jack. And like we talked about, I think with Lucas after the Sixers game, not only the screening, but also the timing, the ability to absorb contact and be able to get to the rim because he does amplify James Harden's game and giving him a vertical spacer in that pick and roll combo. And he's really the only guy in this team that can provide vertical spacing. So if he plays well, it's an opportunity for him to get on the floor and help Harden. And then defensively, we know what he's capable of, capable of when he's conditioned and has an understanding of his role. But let's talk Paul Millsap. Still, only got to see him for nine minutes tonight. Oh, one from the field. Oh, one from three. Three rebounds, two assists, uh, one turnover. Not much, but it just feels like he's a guy that I'd love to see more of. You see that pass to Bruce Brown tonight, Nick? Yeah. That was like, whoa. Like, there aren't many players on this the team. The other pass that could... to Joe Harris was really good, too. It was. It was really good. So, look, I don't, I'm very puzzled to just know why Paul Millsap is only getting these single-digit minute gains because when he's out there, you know, he's just doing good things and just helping out the team and, and, and just providing veteran-level experience and, you know, providing a, a, a level of connectivity as a, as a facilitator with the ball in his hands. He just makes good decisions. So, look, I think that I want more Millsap more than anyone and a lot of other people. So, Maybe he gets his opportunity as some other some of the other guys uh, get rested in that front court. Even though Lamarcus Aldridge was rested tonight, I thought we would have seen more Millsap. But it was probably again, you know, when you're comparing, I guess, the center minutes, it was nine for him, it was sixteen for Clax, it was nineteen for Blake Griffin. So and that's some a, for KD out there. I think he had some, some small ball lineups too. Yeah. Yeah, KD James Johnson that probably gets you the the forty eight minutes in the at the center position. So. Look, uh, Paul Millsap just continues to do good things, Nick, and I'm always intrigued by just what he gives this team. So I, I, I trust what he does. So, you know, he doesn't make bad decisions. Uh, he, he rarely makes bad decisions when he's out there on the court as well. 
Yeah, I think with Kyrie out, he gives him another competent ball handler. Obviously, he's not elite, but for a big, he handles pretty well. And we talked about the passing. Just somebody who can kind of set up some other guys, especially when maybe James Harden's not on the floor to alleviate some of that pressure. So Millsap definitely can be unlocked a little bit more than what we've seen. I'm intrigued to see how the role kind of progresses throughout the season. Like you said, is there games where we see him for more minutes? Is he going to be in a short minute role the entire year? Like, I'm just intrigued to see what he can do when he gets like a large chunk with the stars and can actually get some rhythm and feel to the game definitely so give me more Millsap we got James Johnson again tonight only six minutes and 48 seconds two points one-on-one from the field and that's the only stats he has he was plus 15 I thought James Johnson looked better in this segment against the Wizards than he did against any other team but again not the best competition no, that sort of lap that he did make was, was a nice sort of cut and, you know, nice sort of control, physicality from him. It's intriguing to see, you know, what the reasons are behind the rotations and minutes and whether it's just, you know, when they're being thrown out there. He seems to be being put out there a lot with clacks at the same time, which I'm not the biggest fan of as, as two, I guess, non-spacers, even though, you know, when we analyze, you know, James Johnson, the wing preview, which you guys can still check out um, on the, the podcast feed. It, it, we talked about the fact that he's been a pretty inconsistent three-point shooter the past couple of seasons of his career, but has had moments throughout. So, uh, I, look, I don't think there's really enough to sort of analyze with James Johnson, to be fair, Nick. Yeah, he really doesn't touch the ball much either. You know, it's it, he's more of a guy I think that you would look at if you were rewatching the game. All right, how is his rotations looking? How's he looking defensively? Boxing out stuff like that. He's more of a dirty work type player. And another guy who got some minutes tonight. First time we really saw him for a large, meaningful minutes was DeAndre Bembray. Played 18 minutes tonight, um, seven points, three of five from the field, one of one from the free throw line, three rebounds, one assist, two steals, one block, one turnover. I mean. I was pretty happy with the way DeAndre Bembray played, and he just, I don't know if he's got himself in the rotation, but he made himself a viable option in the right situation. I think when you don't have Bruce Brown out there, you've just got a ready-made replacement in what DeAndre Bembry does. You know, it provides you a high level of defense and energy and a really good screener and roller. You know, yep. he had a, a really nice lap and and one play um, when he was working alongside James Harden. That allows, again, him to utilize some of his passing as a as a pocket passer and, and such. So he was awesome tonight. I thought DeAndre Bembry really proved himself uh, to be a capable performer for this team. And, you know, if we're ranking some of these role guys, you know, he had his moments tonight that was much more impactful than a Javon Carter has done all season, James Johnson. Give me more DeAndre Bembry as well, Nick. I, I, I like what he gives his team. Yeah, I think you just like the hustle plays, the heady defensive plays, just the willingness to kind of get involved. I also kind of like the fact that he's pretty good at like staying in his lane. He doesn't necessarily try to do too much. You know what I mean? I'd say that's one of the issues with Javon Carter right now is just like there are certain plays where, all right, just pass the ball if you're not really doing anything with it. You know, DeAndre Bembry doesn't really do that. He either gets the ball, passes it, or drives to the rim. Like there's no really in-between stuff. Didn't take any threes tonight. Kind of obviously not a great three-point shooter, but defensively can provide this team a spark in the right matchups too, especially when they want to go small. He has a nice little physicality to him, similar to Bruce Brown. So I had a bit of a chuckle because I'm on the, the timeline right now, Nick. Our guy, Lucas Kaplan, pretty admirable of Bradley Beal to stand with Kyrie and also not show up for today's game at Barclays. <laughs> <laughs> My guy, Lucas. Love it. Yeah, uh, Bradley Beal, not his best game. But Jack, moving on to, I guess, the rest of the bench, we got Javon Carter, not a great game from him. Only saw 13 minutes and 50 seconds. Some of that was garbage time. 0-2 from the field, zero points, uh, three rebounds, one assist, two turnovers. What to make of Javon Carter? 
I still think that the Nets are using him wrong or he's utilizing his own skills wrong. He shouldn't be a, a, a secondary ball handler and yeah. facilitator. There's times where he just takes time off the clock and doesn't really do anything with the ball in his hands. It's but what we've said before. And, you know, look, maybe that role does change a little bit. You know, Bruce Brown's role and turning into Biggie Smalls, the Energizer Bunny, that wasn't all revealed through the first couple of games of his Brooklyn Nets career. So maybe the Nets decide to actually figure out what he can be as just a floor spacer because he's got a, a good three-point shot at him. He's a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. So stick him in one of the corners. He's going to hit those shots. So uh, I think Steve Nash needs to realize that a little bit because... I just think that Paddy Mills is, is much better as a, a secondary playmaker. Can we, you know, make an argument for, you know, just Kevin Durant, you know, Bruce Brown can do a little bit of it too. Uh, just because Bruce Brown just makes decisions quicker as well, doesn't over-dribble the ball like Javon Carter has so far. So I think his role needs to change, whether that's on him, whether that's on the coaching staff or a combination of both. Yeah, I think it's probably a combination of both to some extent, but also just like, He'll get a pick on a pick and roll and then he'll get caught on the in-between instead of being able to get all the way downhill. And then you can tell he's very hesitant to kind of take that mid-range jumper. So it ends up being a whole bunch of nothing and kind of essentially wasting the shot clock. So him kind of finding a better feel for his role is going to be something to keep an eye on. I'm intrigued to see how long like his rotation minutes last if he doesn't improve his play. Obviously, he does have some aspects in the fact that he can play defense and hit the three, but he hasn't really hit any threes this year. So what's what's the benefit of playing him over a guy like Bembray or Bruce Brown at this point? That's totally fair. So we'll, we'll probably continue to see some experimentation, but hopefully not to, to the detriment of the team like it has been at certain points. But Nick, we've got a shout-out King Sharp. Got his first bucket as a Brooklyn Net. You know, he was introducing the team at the home opener. You saw him, and yeah. I mean, you love, you love, you love the energy of Dayron. Um, and it was a, a classic Dayron sharp bucket. Use your six foot eleven, however many hundred pound frame, and just go bang bang. I'm going to post you up, and I'm going to get this bucket, King Sharp. What a moment for him! A moment he'll never forget. Yeah, pure physicality. I mean, he just muscled him, got to his position, laid the ball in. I mean, that's something that he easily can do. It's something we know he can do, especially when he gets to mismatch. So good to see. Would have been nice to see Cam Thomas hit a couple buckets, but overall, garbage time is always nice. Because <laughs> it's garbage yeah, time. Yeah, look, Cam Thomas still is going to take the shots, Nick. He's, it's going to take him. And, you know, three. he took three shots in, in four minutes. Uh, hopefully sooner rather than later we see him, Cam Thomas, uh, hit a few buckets as well. But it was, it was nice to see that. I was just like, all right, cool. And the fact that the Nets were able to get to a point where they were able to empty the bench a little bit is a positive sign. Um, that's something we want to see more often so we can you know, rest a few of these guys within the game and, and do a better job of that. So uh, hopefully we see more Cam Thomas and, and day one sharp. You know, they were... Set back to Long Island, I do believe, for practice, and then they were recalled for tonight's game as well. So it'll be interesting to see if the relationship and, and, and what their growth and maturation is like with Long Island, with Brooklyn, uh, going forward as well. Yeah, and I think just a couple stats to point out for this game, Jack. We had 23 assists on 40 made field goals, so we're getting the ball moving up a little bit. You want to definitely see those assist numbers continue to improve. Easily could have been higher just given guys missed a lot of open shots and also reduced the turnover substantially, only nine turnovers tonight. And in terms of just like field goal to field goal, the Wizards shot 95 shots and Nets shot 94. So that's obviously within range and the type of thing that the Nets need to kind of keep an eye on to keep themselves in games and obviously give themselves an opportunity to win. You know what I mean? Even if they didn't play well in this game, they'd still have a shot just given they did everything they could to kind of keep it close. 
Yeah, a couple more I'll touch on as well. They only shot, you know, 28.6% from 310 of 35 from there, the Brooklyn Nets, that is. While they kept the, the Wizards to 23.19 of 39, and also kept them to only 34.7% from the field. So I, I think some of that is, you know, the Nets improving defensively. I think the communication was there. Bruce Brown extended minutes, DeAndre Bembry extended, extended minutes. You can, when you have better defensive players out there for longer periods of time, I thought Blake Griffin did some nice things defensively as well. So I, I think that this is a. A nice little growing point. I think Kevin Durant alluded from that as well. Build upon it uh, and hopefully get some good wins against some uh, better opponents going forward. And uh, sorry to my guy, uh, JBT, Nick. He was talking trash to me a little bit off wax. Uh, but the Nets got this W. Uh, and Bradley Beal's going to have to get a, a real shot because he was taking some pretty crappy ones tonight. Yeah, I think that's a number that just instantly pops out. Three at 13 from three for Beal. You know, some of those were decent looks that he just missed. But again, Nets didn't really shoot well. And I feel like they got a lot of good open looks from three. So it kind of balanced out for both teams. But Jack, anything else you want to talk about from this game? Look, hopefully, Nick, this is a, a springboard to bigger and better performances. Um, and we'll see how the rotation continues. Do you think that there's any changes made if we do see a LaMarcus Aldridge inserted? Uh, do you think that... You know, who loses the minutes that he is likely to get? Because he's generally got around the sort of 20-ish minutes mark. Obviously, you know, his conditioning and, and his load management is going to be a priority because he's impacted the team pretty well. And I guess it will be matchup dependent. But what are we going up against the, the Heat on Thursday, is it? Uh, Wednesday, my time. Thursday, I think your time. Um, there we go. So I would say the starting lineup stays the same, just given how Miami plays. You know, keep Blake out there. Just I do like to switch a lot of stuff, run a lot of screens off ball, especially with like Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero type stuff. So LaMarcus, I wouldn't be surprised if his minutes are somewhat low for this game, just be given the style that the Heat play. But at the same time, the Nets could try to use him as a counter and give themselves a paint presence. It's going to be interesting to see because I think one thing was obvious in this game. The Nets play better when they're small. Like that's just something they're they're better at it right now. Not to say they can never play big, but it's definitely going to take more time for them to develop that style rather than something they already have in their pocket. Yeah, they need to just understand the tendencies. You know, figure out a few sets. You know, a couple of days off, and hopefully figure out some stuff at practice and and during the film room. But the Heat are a really good team, Nick. You know, I rate them. They're going to be right up there um, in terms of the seeding and and in the postseason. The Nets might come up against them. Early on, you know, this is going to be a real challenge, probably uh, the biggest challenge of the season so far, other than, you know, opening night against the Bucks. Yeah, and I think like the Heat are the type of team that doesn't really give away possessions or games. So you're going to have to earn it. You're going to have to beat them and play well and execute. So it should be fun and just kind of, I don't want to say uh, a gauging stick for the Nets right now because I don't think they're going to play their best basketball for a good 20 games, but something to just see where they're at and kind of go back to the drawing board if they don't play well. Big time. I, the, the, big thing, the big thing that I want is just an awesome game from James Hunt. I want him and Joe Harris to have those breakout performances because, like you mentioned on Twitter, Nick, um, at Nick underscore fake, uh, it's going to transform this team and two of our three best offensive players can really hit the ground running. Yeah, I would at least one of them hopefully pops off. I think it's more likely Joe Harris starts to find his rhythm in that game rather than James Harden. I think Harden's probably going to take a little bit of time just given I think some of it is, you know, conditioning and rep oriented, but we'll see what happens. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nady Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.